Hello and welcome to the Fire Officer Project Podcast, a show where we will discuss and learn together about topics specific to the American Fire Service. Come along as we explore areas such as firehouse traditions and culture, the fire family life, leadership, as well as getting yourself ready to be the company officer. This show is for everyone from the rookie firefighter to newly promoted officers. I'm your host, Mark McCurdy. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome to the Fire Officer Project. This will be episode 11. We're going to title this one, The Kitchen Table. And I think you can understand what that one might be about. But we're going to talk about some stuff that has to do surrounding the firehouse kitchen table. And then at the end, we're going to take another question from the streets. And we'll wrap it up after that. Enjoy. Well, hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Fire Officer Project. I just heard in the intro, we're going to title this one, The Kitchen Table. And we got some pretty good stuff we're going to talk about, which... I don't know, different topics, different ideas, things like that. So, but, uh, quickly what's been going on. I'm trying to get these out quicker and more frequently, like I promised, but now I need to really stick to it. So it sounds like Wednesdays when I have Wednesdays off, Wednesday's going to be my day that I can record because the wife works on that day and, and is gone. And then I don't feel like a knucklehead trying to get this done. Uh, you know, it's still kind of a weird trying to put out info and, and, uh, I don't know. It's probably more built up in my head than I think as far as it being something different. But recently what's been going on, I've gotten a lot of feedback. I've actually talked to a handful of people from throughout the country. And I have one scheduled for tonight. Talked to another firefighter. I talked to a brother from uh, Clark County. Uh, I'm going to be talking to one from Alaska tonight. And that's pretty cool. I got a few other, a lot more interaction on Instagram. I was just trying to communicate with each other and and it's so crazy to see it build because it's so grassroots and literally just threw myself out there and and you've been willing to listen. Uh, not only have we gone over 3,000 downloads just on the 12 episodes we have out there, well, 11, this will be 12, that we have out there, uh, which, okay, 3,000, everybody's like, whatever, Joe Rogan probably gets that in five minutes. But to me, it's pretty significant because it's awesome to look and see the numbers just keep climbing a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And then interaction with people. And it seems like the more I put out, the more I get. Makes sense. So that's that's motivation for me to keep pushing this stuff out there and um, to kind of keep taking it to the next level. So uh, I think I got all my stuff squared away with what I want to do next as far as expanding it. But I wanted to get this other episode out uh, before we start going there. I already got a handful of people who are actually starting to come to me and asking, can we start doing interviews? They got some pretty uh, big topics they want to talk about. And then there's just so much information from everyone out there that all it needs is a platform and a medium to go through. And we could be off to the races forever. Recently, what's been going on in our department is March, April, May, which right now it's middle of May. People are retiring. And we have a lot of good people going out the door right now that are retiring that just are taking a ton of experience with them. And so my goal is to um, capture some of those people from our department. But I know you have those people that in your departments, too, that are that are that. So if you have somebody that you know is that heavy hitter or that person that could really show share a lot of information and they're OK with it, if, if you sharing their information or getting them in contact with me, then I'd, I'd appreciate that because I'm starting to build out that list, too. So which, like I said, it's. It can be indefinite as far as how many people there are because it's 
such a rich topics and a rich topic and we're so tight with each other as far as what we like and value and and that kind of made me think about this kitchen table concept so yeah so it's been great so thank you thank you for the downloads thank you for sharing uh for taking a chance and and interacting with me as little as thank you you're doing a great job we appreciate it to some really uh constructive criticism which is great plus information plus things that people like it's it's awesome so it's really helps and is motivating what else has been going on fires we've been getting fires so like if you don't know and you can probably tell from my instagram feed where i work but southern california is where i'm based uh it hasn't been really a lot with heat waves which is good for us but things are drying out and um being with the department i am now and pretty much all of southern california you can look at instagram feeds and see that there's fires wildland fires basically what i'm talking about we all get the structures vehicles encampment fires, whatever, whatever you have going on. But when it starts shifting to the wildland component, that's a big deal in Southern California, hell everywhere. Right before I jumped on here, right. I saw a post that was sent to me about uh, some firefighters from Orange County going to New Mexico. Uh, We sent one of our battalion chiefs from my station to New Mexico because of the big fire that's going on there, which I don't know about you, but for an agency department, that's, something new. I don't remember ever seeing that happen as much as it's happening now, but that's a good thing, I guess. So depending on what people want to do. So I kind of like staying local and, and doing my stuff, but if, it, if we need to go out, we go out I'm, I'm on a strike team engine. So I can't complain if I get sent out because I bid there. So that's how it is. I'm not complaining. All I'm saying is we're starting to get them, which is good because not only are we getting the fires, but in this past week, I went to three interagency drills, which is another big hurdle that is uh, that we're tearing down. Right, we're we're able to talk to each other now on comms, and and obviously we still got bugs we got to work out with that. Um, but the the differences from just say ten years ago is pretty significant, and we're talking about working with two major departments, uh, LA City, LA County, that are talking to each other on channels and talking the same lingo on brush and setting up and acting like we're the same agency. Of course, it can't happen overnight. I've worked in the South LA, South Central areas, that kind of areas where it's city, county, and that's a different animal as far as the marrying up together. But we had a good relationship there too. It just noticed that in the wildland, it blends, it's blending even smoother, which is, is good. Um, you know, so we've had those drills, not only just with those two departments, but uh, Angeles National Forest, the U.S. Forest Service, uh, all surrounding agencies that support um, the areas in Southern California and their respective cities. It's all been good stuff. So just getting ready for that fire season, which we get the brush or the wildland fires all year long. Obviously, it's concentrated and it's kind of uh, geographical, even in our area, in our department where they kind of start and then where the fall drags us into with Santa Ana winds and that whole combination. So pretty crazy. Um, and when you look at it and you think, Oh, okay. You realize and you go to these big drills, you realize how small you are, like just one engine company and just another, and there's, you're just surrounded by a ton, but it's awesome to see everybody motivated and, and out there trading. So good stuff. Anyways, enough about that. Um, what I want to talk about today is something that, I don't even know how long, how far this tradition goes back, but 
Um, I'm going to talk about the kitchen table, the firehouse kitchen table. And what does that represent? What do we do there? Sometimes you look at it, it's like autopilot, right? We just do things. But when we sit back and look at the history or tradition, it's pretty cool about sitting around that table. So, um, so yeah, so I wrote down a few things here. So think about it right now. Okay. What, what do we do at the kitchen table every day? Yeah. We have lineup, we eat meals. Uh, you know, there's more to it than that, but you're thinking about your firehouse and your kitchen table and how that's set up, which I can only imagine you could do a whole Instagram feed. And that probably already is. I need, I didn't even actually look, but just on firehouse kitchen tables and the, the craft or art, you know, craftsmanship that goes into some of how detailed these are to what if it's just a plain table, it still holds the same significance and the same type of atmosphere, whether it's a folding table at a small department or some crazy wazoo fancy artwork one, it, it doesn't matter, right? That like it looks cool aesthetically, but what happens around it is what was what matters probably the most. So, so think about your table and how you do things. So I can only expose you to what, or I can only speak from what I've seen and what I've been around. I've been around or associated with not only from Explorer to Auxiliary to working multiple uh, firehouses in our department, but a smaller department I work for. And it's, you know what? It's all the same. doesn't matter if it's one station or a hundred and something stations or the, just the concept of the kitchen table is universal to the firehouse. And so I think you know this. I'm preaching to the choir probably, but maybe somebody is listening now doesn't understand, right? Because we're doing a lot of training and we're hiring a lot of people. And like I said, a lot of people are going out the door. So now we got to replace those people and you can't replace those people, but you're just replacing butts in the seat, right? So you got, it's so important to keep these traditions alive that we just have to pass on. And it's crazy because sometimes you think that that's just the norm, but there's so many people that we're hiring that maybe haven't had the opportunity or didn't know or wasn't available to them to start out with explorers and uh, maybe a private fire department or uh, fire academy and then did like reserve time. It doesn't matter where people come from, but when you notice that they don't understand or, or haven't been exposed to a certain tradition, then enlighten them, share with them what what those traditions are. So, and sometimes that even gets brought up around the kitchen table, right? So, Anyways, all right, let me stop yapping here because I know people tell me like, hey, get to the meat and potatoes because you talk too long before you get started, but I still haven't figured out how to do that. All right, so what do we use the table for? Obviously, well, maybe not obviously because I don't know. I guess most apartments do a, a formal lineup in the morning, right? I've been around and been heard from other people where they do a lineup at the front of the apparatus or maybe at the back of the station, but it doesn't really matter how you do it, at some point, you're probably around a table. How about we put it that way? For our department and for ones I've been around, a lineup, an official morning lineup, um, some maybe breakfast, uh, a coffee break in the afternoon, a drill, a, a tabletop round table drill, whatever you want to call it. Um, the the t kitchen table after an inspection, whether it's a quarterly inspection with the battalion chief or it's our annual inspection with the assistant chief, at the end of that inspection, we have a, a round table and we go to the kitchen table 
and we talk about things that's going on in the department and questions that we may have. And that's the open forum time with the chief. So that has a big significance. And, but on the daily is more kind of what I'm focusing on, but we'll touch on the other things too. So what, what are we talking about? Just physically the table. I don't know if I've been to too many firehouses that have a round table. Maybe that's just, uh, because I haven't been around, I mean, I've been around a decent amount of firehouses, and most of them seem to be a square table. And is there a little bit of a hierarchy of where people sit? Yeah. Now, some people say you should have a round table because then nobody's at the head of the table. Well, okay, fine. But I don't know if that's a business, private enterprise type leadership concept, or uh, I don't know. I just mostly have seen square tables where Somebody's at the head and somebody's at the other end. And, and for the most part, we all have our designated seats in the firehouse. And when you're working overtime, you might have to ask, where do I sit? And when, you, when I've worked overtime and I come to a station, hey, where do I sit? And even as a captain, I ask that, where do I sit? And they'll tell you right here. Because you don't always know, right? You can't assume. And what happens when somebody sits in the wrong seat after you've been in a house that you've been there for a while and then somebody comes in and doesn't maybe ask and they sit in the wrong end of the table and you're like, hey. Does it feel like it throws off the balance? Like instantly you're like, hey, hey, you're throwing off the balance here. There's been times where I've seen it happen as a firefighter and engineer where nobody has said anything to the captain and they sit maybe at the opposite end of the table and we're used to seeing him or her at the other end and nobody says anything and then it just feels weird because it's almost like it's backwards. And then so I've always seen other times where people go, hey, Cap, you sit up there. Oh, okay, thanks. It seems, I don't know, minuscule. But it is something that I like to ask. Okay, where do I sit? Who sits here? Who sits where? If you have a chief in the court, okay, where does the chief sit? So, because of course, now don't take me. Can you ask a serious question and expect a serious answer in a firehouse? Hell no. You think you're going to get it set up every once in a while? Probably. But hey, whatever. It's all in good fun. Because also, before I forget, kitchen table too is somewhat the equalizer, right? You can't. You can't puff up your chest and be like, I'm the captain at all times at the kitchen table. It's kind of like the the neutralizer, the equalizer sometimes too. So when it comes to structure and order and running the lineup and everything, yes. But when it comes to maybe jamming people up or making a little bit of fun of, you got to have thick skin. So don't get all nutty and try to pull rank on people because you don't like, because they say something. You know, it, there is that little bit of letting your guard down at the table too, so. Anyways, I didn't want to forget about that, but I'll probably come around to it. So round versus square. Like I said, most of the time I've seen square tables. There's a hierarchy. Even with the captains, I work at the, out of the two, out of the three spots I've worked at as a captain, two of them have been at dual company houses where there's another captain. And we both sat in the same spot every time. Even on overtime, I still would kind of sit where I always ask the other captain, where do you sit? Where do I sit? Where do you sit? Where do I sit? Type things because... It just helps with the balance and the normalcy and the comfortability, right? We all like kind of routine for the most part, and that's part of the routine. So, all right. So, like I said, there's just plain table that maybe your department or city or county provides. Here's a table, nothing crazy, a bunch of chairs that are probably beat up or maybe they're nice, whatever you have going on down to somebody that takes on that project and makes this giant elaborate intricate table because 
they did as a project or maybe a probation project or somebody who's just good at it and, and made some crazy table, which is awesome. I love that part. Honestly, if I had to choose, yes, I, I love that part of the firehouse is those kind of like intri- intricacies and detail and tradition and just kind of pride, I guess I should say. So um, those are those things. So plain versus elaborate, does, does it matter? No, 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 no. I don't care what it looks like, but if you want to take it to the next level, then yeah, those details look pretty cool. But so uh, let me take a look at my notes here and we'll start rolling. All right. So I got my stuff together here. got my notes all set. So let's uh, take a dive into this. So we talk about the kitchen table and I have kids now. Uh, they're both uh, nine and 11. So they've been around for a little bit and we have kind of a plan that we do at home and probably similar to what you might do or even if you don't have kids, maybe there's already a plan. But I remember growing up, uh, we had a little nook kitchen spot for the table, and and uh, there was no TV around. We waited, you know, obviously till my dad got home from work. Well, both my parents work at the same business, so since they own it, their own business. But my mom would take off, and the dad cook, and whatever. I don't have to explain everything, but you know, I just remember sitting down as a family, no TV, no distraction. Um, talking about life, learning things, arguments, you know, all that stuff. And I remember it being around the table and it was a big deal. So when it was just me and my wife or boyfriend, girlfriend, and we, we were just the two of us, we had our condo that we purchased and we both were working full time. Yeah. We'd, we'd make our plates and we'd sit on the couch and use the coffee table as a table and we'd watch a baseball game or a movie or something. Um, so we didn't have just that sit down, her and I type thing. But if we go out to dinner or things like that, try not to be distracted by phone, you know, unless there's an emergency. But you won't see us unless we're looking something up over a conversation that we're talking about or planning a trip or something. I, I try not to be distracted by the phone. And so, but then when we had kids, when they're young, yeah, you can't, you know, whatever. You, they're small. They're still in a high chair, but... You want to enjoy those moments, so we would not have the TV on, or maybe we just have music on. And then now, as they're older, they kind of understand their manners at the table, and it's time for us to talk and and hang out. Now, if the Dodger game's on or something, we want to put that on. I don't mind doing that, but it's low in the background, and we still talk as a family. And, and that's kind of what happens in the fire service, right? So you probably do the same thing at home, and... We all sit in the same seats at our house here and, and, but, you know, kind of the same at the firehouse. So what I'm saying is it's a, it's a family situation, not only at home, but at work and we kind of treat it the same. So usually what happens, well, I can give you only my angle of it, but you come in in the morning and you're relief and usually the crew's already up and they're probably already at the table, either dressed in civilian clothes, ready to go home, or maybe they got an early run or they just get up early. Uh, some firehouses are... You know, they're early risers, they get the early relief type thing, or it's just one of those places where uh, that's just the culture of that firehouse. And there's other ones where guys would sleep in. I've worked at firehouses where guys would sleep in because they got their butt kicked throughout the night and they were tired and they wanted to get that extra half hour, hour of sleep before they drove home so that they could function the rest of the day. It just depends on your culture of that firehouse even. So... Currently, what happens now, I mean, the crew's already up. They're having their coffee, sitting at the table. I'll walk in, 
kind of come through the kitchen, say, hey, what's up? Uh, go put my stuff down, put on my PT gear right away. I've already shaven at home, and I don't need to go over that again because that's been in previous episodes, but that way I'm already shaving. I walk in, I say hello, get my PT gear on. That's what we normally wear in the morning. Put my gear by the rig because usually the other person hasn't taken it off. Uh, kind of cruise through the office, see that there's nothing immediate that needs to be handled. Go back into the kitchen, get my coffee, sit down with the crew. They kind of get a handoff over what's going on. And that's kind of that first touch of the table, right? So just that first thing in the morning. Get out of there, go to my office stuff, and the day starts. Well, we're back at the table probably within 45 minutes. We try to have an 0800 lineup, trying to stay on time with that because to me that's not only shows structure and consistency, but if we just are screwing around in the office or I'm not sensitive to the time, I'm kind of, I look at that like I'm eating into the the cruise time, time to work out, time to do the things that they want to do. So if it's off, like one day it's 8, 8.15, 8.30, 8.20, it's all over the place. Now there's days that you can't control that. I get that. But on a consistent basis, we try for eight o'clock. We get to the table, everybody's in their seat, the spots that they do. And I think this is pretty common. We have a few probationary firefighters on our shift. This whole thing about not letting them watch TV and their backs to the TV and all that. I get that. I get that game. And there's they even sit based on seniority of probation, how they sit at the table. So now we don't have a hard and fast rule like that, but it's that one thing where once it happens and you kind of see the normalcy when somebody's not sitting in their spot, you're like, hey, what happened? We're just so such creatures of habit that the table is one thing that it's always, it seems to be, everybody sits in the same spot. Now, different when you have mixed in people from different shifts, but there still has that little, it kind of filters itself out, but maybe I'm getting too far down in the weeds. But to me, that first, they call an 0800 lineup, there's a structure and an order to it, but you're surrounded by that table. That table makes a lot of conversation, a lot of decisions. It's a, a meeting point and... I'm an early riser, so I like getting up early. I like the morning time. Then when it comes to about 10 o'clock, I'm kind of, boom, done, shut down. So I'm not one of those people that stays up late to watch movies or any of that, If uh, unless we've started one on time. But, it, you know, you guys have worked with those crews where they start a movie at 9 or 10. You're like, geez, I can't do it. It's just how I operate. But I like that, getting in there in the morning, getting that cup of coffee, um, sitting down with the crew. Uh, so what are the things that you bring with you to – the table. So we bring our daily roster, the things that need to be done. I write notes down. Some people will say structure and order, and I don't want to tip, go into a full detail of lineup because I've done that in previous episodes, but I'll still touch on it. Um, that structure and order of you kind of do the same lineup every day. Everybody's there and accounted for. Um, the apparatus, everything's done right on the, the uh, PAR sheet. Everybody's in the right spot where they need to be based on what apparatus they're assigned to, who's working. Days that they want to take off and then in the week are, are handled and filled. So we talk about staffing. We talk about the dailies that need to be done, say today's shower day or stove and reefer day. Um, schedule plans on the drill schedule, what's going to happen. And then emails and correspondence stuff that needs to be handled. Things that are down the future that are going to be copping up like EMT testing or um, whatever may be done. We kind of talk about, right? Go around the table, check with the engineers. We even do it by rank as far as. We have one captain who leads it. He bumps it over to me to see if I have anything. And then we go to the two engineers and then the firefighters as we come around the table. And 
it kind of works its way like that around this table. And then we talk about plans, other plans for the drills for the day uh, with fire weather based on what's going on. We have one of the firefighters um, read off the fire weather. You can do things just like six minutes for safety off the NWCG website where somebody brings that every day and then reads the topic of the day, uh, YouTube videos, whatever it may be, however you want to do your lineup. Sometimes it's cool to just throw a video up on the TV from YouTube, sparks a conversation for a few minutes, and it's almost like a little mini drill right away. Those, those things are your decision to do. But the normal structure and order is I'm just talking about being around that table. There's always that structure, order, and consistency, which we like. Now, there are days where we got to be out the door quick and lineup basically is done over the PA, kind of. There has those are those days sometimes, but very, very rare compared to how we normally structure our day. Um, and then I've talked about it in previous shows about SOPs, SOGs, and expectations and how to do that with your crew. And that's where I'll plug this in in the lineup is just asking how they do things. I give them my little spiel. And there's a whole other episode. I think it was episode three. I think it was expectations. So you can go back and review that one if you'd like. Or hit me up on the side if you want to get a little more in-depth about it. Um, one big thing that I can bring up to you is the cell phone thing. Like I've talked in the past, I don't like cell phones being at the table because of the distraction. But if it's there for a reason, like, hey, we're going to shoot, use a video off of it or something, that's fine. But you got to set that early that you don't really want people taking messages from friends or family unless it's an emergency, checking their Facebook or Instagram or anything. Just give them. You're, you're just asking for to give you 10 to 15 minutes or whatever it is to get the order set up for the day. So uh, let me see my notes here. Would it bring the table? Yep. Okay, good. Uh, let's see. And what helps too is when you're sitting at the table, you can kind of get a read on people, right? You know, when you've been around your people and they've been around you, they know when you're having a good day, a bad day, something's on your mind based on body language the conversations that are happening prior to you sitting down at lineup, you're kind of listening in the background. What are they talking about? And I've talked about that previously when you're on the app floor, putting your gear on, just listen to the conversations that are going on around you. They're not always just, Hey, what'd you do on your days off? Sometimes it's something that's wrong with the rig or maybe somebody's not pulling their weight and there's frustration. Um, maybe there's positive things, you know, all those type of things. So you kind of listen and you get that read on people, body language, conversations that they're talking about. And then you kind of put that in the back and, and bring that up after you've done your lineup. Like, okay, I heard you guys talking about this. What was, well, what's going on? Cause, and then you let them explain everything to you. And that's the part where if you've ever caught yourself where you're like trying to talk over somebody or things, I've really had to focus on keeping my mouth quiet or my mouth shut and letting people finish the whole story before I interject. Unless I'm really off track and I can't follow what they're saying, I just let them talk. And it's amazing how you got to just sit there and try to do that. So if you've ever tried to do that, the biggest test if you have kids is let them try to tell you a story without you interjecting and let them run. And you're like, goodness, how long is this going to take to tell me something that takes about 10 seconds? That's a good practice and warm up for being at the firehouse and running a table where you're just like, okay, you're listening. You know, you're trying not to be uh, interruptive. And you're listening because sometimes they'll tell you what the problem is, what they think they should fix, and then the solution, and they give it to you on all one spiel. So that's why I try not to cut people off. Like I said, unless I'm way off base or I'm not understanding what they're saying or it's something that's way off and I need to go, hold on, nope, let's, that's not right. But for the most part, I let them just finish talk. 
So another little sidebar thing, but uh, let's see here. What else do I have? Round table, SOB is a control. Okay, control the negative. This is what, uh, I don't know if I've ever actually mentioned it on here. I'm trying to think because I teach in certain pockets and then I have to remember what I tell people all the time. But one that, in case I repeated it, but to control the negative, the negative around the table is we, as the company officer or acting in that position, whatever it may be, can't be the cancer. You can't be the one that dumps on every negative thing and it's just negative Nelly all the time. Now, are you going to have bad days? Hell yeah, I've had those. I've had those and I've had it enough to where I've been the jerk and I've been, I break my own rule of not being the cancer and I know I'm doing it, but it's like, you're so frustrated so much so that I've had to apologize to the crew, like either the next day or at night at dinner. Like, sorry, I knew, I know better than that. It got the best of me um, type things, but there's times that, okay, I understand being frustrated and negative, but it can't be a consistent thing. That's just like, it's everything that comes out of your mouth is negative then the crew thinks it's okay to do that. And then you're actually kind of just bringing them down. So unless it's necessary, I guess there's options where that's necessary, but for the most part, you know what I'm saying? It's like that person, you're like, goodness, just retire already if you're that pissed about everything. Because it can be frustrating, right? Rigs break, you got no toilet paper, the warehouse is closed, whatever it may be, there's something. And everybody seems to kind of focus on one thing that really irks them. And then it becomes a big, problem. So I try to say, control that narrative, control the negativity. Don't be the cancer. It's okay to spit the truth out, but you don't need to be the constant, like just negative all the time. So um, what else here? Okay. So that's the morning, right? So we've kind of been around the table a little bit there, Everybody's off to what they need to do now afternoon or lunch. So lunch, brunch, whatever you may do in our department, for the most part, most people either pick up lunch while we're out and about some of the bigger firehouses that have a lot of personnel and they hold to a really strict tradition, which is good, is cooking two meals. So a brunch or lunch, depending on Saturday, Sunday, or during the week, and then dinner for sure. So like currently at my station, we cook dinner pretty much 100% of the time, unless there's exceptions with move-ups or fires or the day just gets away from us. Pretty consistent on the dinner thing. Uh, but for lunch, usually... We pick something up or people bring their own brown bag at whatever they do, uh, unless it's a weekend. And we stick to that tradition where it's usually brunch. Even if we go drill in the morning, we'll go drill early. We'll do brunch still. And then if we need to push the workout time to before dinner, then we do that. So we adjust to kind of keep to those weekend traditions that we have. So I know some departments, the weekends are for training and then maybe they do opposite of what we do, but it, and that's totally cool. But so whatever that may be, you may visit the table again at lunch or uh, whatever it may, or how about afternoon coffee, three o'clock coffee or probationary drill that they're just going to do a tabletop drill back to the table again, a place of educating now, not only in the morning doing uh, lineups and things like that, but lunch and then or breakfast, um, drill time, just a coffee time to just take a break and relax. Maybe there's no drill. It's just grab a cup of coffee or water or whatever, and just sit at the table and have a a little bit of a break and talk about other stuff, not just fire. So there's that afternoon time too, where it gets visited, which is good. And then dinner time, like dinner time in the firehouse is a big deal. Not only is the table a traditional big thing, but meals and the whole process of shopping and 
prepping the meal. I swear, sometimes I feel like, well, I know I do. I put a lot more time into prepping a meal at work than I do at home. Because at home, everything's so fast. And there's one kid going to this practice and this and that and that. Unless, you know, unless the day is surrounded by, hey, let's jump in the pool. We're going to make pizzas tonight. Then, yes, that's a big focus thing. But if it's a, a Wednesday or a Tuesday and we just got back from practice, you know, I'm making a smaller meal that isn't as big a production as it is the firehouse, right? Because... Uh, well, I could we could go on, right? Everybody's got that story in their head that's popping up now. That person that um, either a really good cook and put so much time into it and effort, and it's just amazing. And um, or you got the person that basically opens all cans, and you're like, oh, thanks for the meal of cans of zero effort. You know, it's like Egh. somewhere in between there. But anyways, the meal part is its whole another animal, prepping and and doing things together, but. Um, right. You've had those great meals and you've had those terrible ones and, and you get jammed up if you suck and you learn quickly how to figure out, okay, what am I going to cook and how? And so for anybody that's new, that's listening to this, find a couple breakfasts or lunch type things, breakfast style, brunch, couple plans. It's not that hard. Some scrambled eggs. You can make French toast, pancake. Uh, red, uh, red potatoes that are roasted, bacon. It's pretty straightforward. Fruit, wh- whatever. Have a plan of a couple different options that you can vary up because sometimes you go to the store and what you exactly need might not be there. You got to be able to adjust on the fly. Have a couple. Um, well, if your if your firehouse does lunch, well, okay, better have a plan for a couple things like that. What if it's just something easy like sandwiches or who knows? But you put some effort in. It's not going out and picking something up. And then have a couple uh, ideas that you cook for dinner. My station, we have seven personnel. I only have to cook every eighth shift or so, right? Or seven as it comes around. That's that's once once a month I have to cook, right? So once, it's even more than that. So I don't have to cook that often. Now, if you pick up overtime, whatever, that's fine. Have a couple different options that you can cook. But with that number of people, which is kind of a standard spot, I don't really, I could cook the same thing and are they going to jam me up if I cook the same exact thing every time? Yeah. But if I have three or four meals that I just rotate through, I mean, they're really only seeing the stuff that I cook every few, um, few times a year, right? So, or, you know what I'm saying? It, it's not that frequent. So options, that's what you have to have as, as a new person. Don't try anything new at the firehouse. Um, I've seen people that pull up recipes on Pinterest or whatever the hell and they're like, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. But, yeah, you know, that's fine. We try to educate them, like, yeah, maybe you should try this at home if you're not that smooth. Some people are really good. They just look something up and bam, they whip it together and they're good. So I usually don't jam them up too much. You know, I may say something like, oh, seriously, you're going to experiment on us? But, hey, whatever. It's it's all good. I appreciate their effort of keeping that tradition going. So, um, so to me, cooking and then setting the table, that's like a big thing. It's like every time I set the table at at work, it's almost like a holiday. You feel like, oh, we're setting the table for us all to come together. And and it's not just like throwing silverware down on the table and things. It's like everything needs to be in its place. And presentation's a big thing. Um, the effort that you put into it, right? Because people are walking in and out of the kitchen. They say, oh, it smells great. Let me see. What, what are you making? All that whole thing is surrounded by that kitchen and the kitchen table. So every time I set up and put start setting the table, it feels like a 
like a celebration is going to happen almost. And it kind of is, right? Every day it's like, okay, we get to be around each other this time. We're fortunate enough to have this job. And and it kind of is a celebration every day if you look at it like that. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being too nerdy about it, but I think it's pretty cool, that part of it. Because it's a time to kind of relax and um, if everybody's busy and I'm trying to cook for everybody and I'm sitting in the kitchen by myself and nobody's really coming in, we're not having much conversation because they're busy doing something or projects. I might have uh, music on or a podcast in or something while I'm cooking, but you know, it's fun. I like it. Yeah. I think most people do too. Some people really suck and they try to do everything they can to get away from cooking and okay, that's fine. But if you're new and even if you're not new, you know, that's going to be the tradition, then try to keep that going. So. All right, so mealtime, sitting around the table at mealtime. You have to remember that, well, let me think. How do I want to go about this? Two big things. One, you got to have thick skin at the kitchen table. It's almost like the equalizer. Really, I know there's some departments that hold to a hard tradition where company officers and maybe the engineers sit together and the firefighters sit together at a different table, and that's pretty hardcore. But So I can't speak to other than what I've ever seen. Uh, I don't work in a department that's that strict. Like I said, we do have our positions where we sit and kind of things. That's probably the most strict that we are. Um, and the way we do our lineups are kind of regimented. But I think that's pretty common throughout the whole fire service. It's not like we're reinventing the wheel over here. Um, but you you could expect that. Now, do I think a probationary firefighter is going to jam me up with a joke or anything like that? No, but if they did, do I have the right to bite their head off over that? No, I probably don't anyway outside of that, but you know how the fire service is. You got to have thick skin anyway, but it seems like the table becomes like the equalizer. Uh, if you're being a punk, I expect somebody to say something to me like, Hey, what are you doing? Now they may say something to me on the side make sure I'm okay or check in and, and make sure. But you know how I'm saying that table is, it's kind of fair game, especially when it comes to the end of the night with card games and a dice game and stuff that I'm going to talk about that we play. So, um, that part's fun. But you know all the ribbing that goes on and the storytelling and the laughing that goes on. And once it gets rolling, that train gets rolling, it's like there's there's no protection. Nobody's uh, immune to getting hammered. So it's pretty good. So that you, And you, I'm sure stories are coming to your head that right now of, of times that you've experienced. So you got to know that, is it, that the table's the equalizer. Uh, don't get butt hurt if somebody says something to you, you know, as long as it's not hurtful or mean. The truth sometimes hurts because it's the truth, um, even if it's a joke. I don't know. I, I think you know what I'm saying. But and then the other big component is who sits down and gets their food first? Now, you think about that, and is it tradition in your firehouse that whoever gets, once somebody calls chow, whoever shows up first to start digging in, or is it regimented where the workers eat and just not necessarily steal, but to explain a concept from Simon Sinek, leaders eat last. Now you looked that up on YouTube, leaders eat last. There's going to be tons of videos of the full conversation that he has. I think it's 45 minutes to breaking down little excerpts. He has a whole book written by, and it's called leaders eat last. Uh, on my cue to read, haven't gotten to that one yet. Uh, just because I need to wrap up some other ones, but I've watched the video before. And this is something that we hold to at my firehouse. And I'm sure you have, or um, you've seen it, <laughs> where all the workers come in and eat. In my station, the engine guys 
grab their food first. So usually, even though I'm on the engine that day, whatever it may be, I still won't eat ahead of the other crews. So it's usually the firefighters and the engineers get their food. The captains will wait, and our chiefs even hold that too. They sit back until the two captains get their food. Um, it's pretty good. I mean, I think that shows leadership to the crew without even saying anything and how that tradition can be held on. We don't have to explain that. They see it uh, every day. Now it's different if we call chow and the trucks on something they're going to be on for a half hour, an hour, or we're on something on the engine and the trucks are, I don't I, I'll send them a message like, don't wait for us. We're going to be wrapped up on this or we're moved up or whatever it may be. I'll communicate with them. But if we're in quarters or a few minutes away from the station and everything, they'll wait for us. And we have that dance, if you want to call it, where the workers come in and and then the leaders eat last. So I think that topic alone can be talked about and discussed as a separate topic. But there is that tradition, right? So, or that concept, which is really good. Um yeah, so I don't know if that I want to expand on that too much. You understand what I'm saying there. So what happens after that, right? We sit around, we kind of have family times, what we call it. Everybody eats, pushes their plates forward, pushes back from the table a little bit, kind of jaw jacks a little bit, talks, stories come out, jokes, um, all kinds of stuff, right? Uh, maybe sometime, maybe the games will be on, some kind of sports games on, whatever it may be. Then we clean up together. Now, there's different things, right? So some people play cards for the dishes and mopping and all that stuff. So however it may be, I've worked at stations that do both. You push the plates in the center, you play cards, whoever loses, one guy's in the suds, the other person's mopping the floor. I've I've been to those stations. I've also been, like currently what we do now, we all just get up together and help clean. We clean it all up, and then we play cards for a dollar hand, we call it. We put in and we play a game, one game. And then we also play a dice game, which, as I was told, was from New York when the guys went back after 9-11. They were showing left, right, center, or uh, four, five, six, the dice game. And I can loosely explain it, but I'm sure it's been around, but it I'd never seen it at our department until after that. And somebody said that's where it came from. So uh, maybe that story is true. I don't know if I'll ever be able to track that down, but it's basically a three panels of wood at an angle and you roll dice. Everybody starts off with three, and you have three $1 bills in front of you. And you roll. If you get a four on any of the dice, you send $1 to the person to your left. If you get a five to the right, six on any of those three dice that you roll goes in the center, goes in the center pot. And that one's stuck. It's, it does, can't come back out. And then you can only roll the number of dice of number of dollars you have in front of you, and it works its way all the way around down to somebody that ends up with $1 left. And the whole time you're trying to keep all the dice on the table. And if somebody misses, because some people chuck it pretty hard, then that person loses. It's a six. They throw their dollar and you can see where it just kind of goes back and forth. But it's a lot of fun because zero rank. It's all controlled by dice. Uh, It goes down to the end of the wire and there's different rules and stuff. But you can say what I'm saying. Like that is a hard tradition that we try to stick with unless it's late. If it's late, we're like, okay, we'll, we'll do the next. Well, let's just do the dollar hand. We'll hold off on dice. But if we get early... We, we play both. It's fun. It keeps that tradition going. We're still around the table and we're having fun and everybody's laughing and, and there's the, there's no rank in that. So it's pretty cool. Now I'd be interested to see. And once this episode comes out and it's out there for a little bit, 
I'll send out a question on Instagram. Maybe we can get some people that will answer, like, the traditions that you have after dinner, what kind of games you play, or, or like, we've played other games at places where you're trying to throw a football into a trash can, and there's a whole rule to that, and all kinds of cool stuff. So I'll definitely shoot that out in the future and see what kind of ideas we can all put together of things that we do and show the traditions that you have in your department. And I think that'd be fun. So, um, so I'm hoping that you understand kind of what I'm talking about with the table. Like we're, sometimes we get so used to it. We just assume that's not assume, but we kind of overlook the, what really is going on with that table and traditions and the uh, overall awesomeness of it. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but we're just keeping that tradition alive. Like think that it's nothing that's super modern or new. It's been going on for hundreds of years the same way. Like look how many pictures you can look up on the internet, uh, internet and just type in firehouse or old fire. And there's always a picture of firefighters sitting around a table. And I mean, that's, I know you've seen it, but when we stop and think about it, you're like, yeah, just type that in like firehouse pictures, old firehouse pictures, where there's always pictures of people around the table, which is pretty cool. It's stuff we've been talking about right now. So anyways, I'm just trying to talk about things and how make you aware of it, make you see where, if you're a company officer now, are going to be how you can keep that tradition going and keep a positive environment around it, keep the fun going around tradition. You're going to hear me say tradition, tradition, tradition about things because we're losing some of the traditions that we may never get back. This is one I think we'll be able to keep because it's not going to be get taken away. Like maybe the conversations have been skewed a bit from what may have been said before with some, I don't know, jokes or whatever. Maybe the, the rudeness of it is kind of tamed down as generations change, but the concept is the same. So, I'm kind of wrapping it up here. I've kind of got to the end of my notes, but it's just funny. It's like you should do certain things and you realize you kind of do the same thing at home. We all sit in the same spot. Um, it's never a question at our house. Uh, th- things are picked up pretty similar because, well, like I said, the firehouse is kind of like your own house anyway. So it's kind of the same, but it's kind of different when you go out and eat because I'm not ge- I'm not stating my opinion and I understand about People needn't let their kids play with their phone or take their tablet or whatever at a restaurant based on whatever it is. I'm not telling you how to be a parent. Um, We tried to set a standard that we wouldn't do that. And we've been fortunate enough to where our kids know not to ask for it. Now, if we're sitting with people and we've been there a really long time and we're sitting with couples that are, we're just taking a long time, I might let them do it. But if they have friends there, I don't, I don't let them. And as an example, one time we were sitting at In-N-Out and our kids were younger. I think they're only like four and six or something. And we're eating and um, I try, like I said, never to take my phone out and just enjoy the time we have a family. And I remember an elderly couple came over to us when we were sitting down eating and you're kind of thrown off, right? When somebody comes up to your table and she's like, I just wanted to say that I was very impressed or surprised the fact that you guys are actually talking to each other and there's no electronics on the table and everything. You got to think like what that lady has seen. She must've been 80, what she's seen and how she sees things now. And I'm like, well, that was kind of nice, you know, on our end to say like, oh, somebody recognized that and they had the wherewithal to come and say something to you. And I'm sure that's probably happened to you as well too, but, or or not, it doesn't really matter. I'm not trying to say, hey, look at me, but it's just funny when people recognize something and 
you're like, oh yeah, I guess that is true. Um, I say that, but at the same time, if I left my phone at home and went somewhere, I'd freak out, right? Like, oh, I, I need to have my phone on me. It's so it's not a perfect scenario by any means, but um, it was just kind of a weird. That wasn't even weird. It was just something that they had to, that she came over to say. And maybe I'm blowing this out, and you're kind of like already turned this off because you're like, what is this, the hell is this guy talking about about the kitchen table? But let me bring it back around as far as the firehouse. And we kind of talked through things, and it's been what I've been talking for 40, almost 50 minutes. And it's just on that concept. And maybe this opens things up, but I definitely want to send something out that says, hey, what traditions do you have in your fire service or firehouse of things that? games you play, ways you do things. So I'm going to let this thing get out, let people hear it, get some numbers up there. And and if you like what you're hearing, share it. And then uh, maybe we can, people understand a little more when I throw a question out there about it. But I'm pretty much done with talking about all that stuff. Um, maybe I just scratched the surface and you want more. So I'll leave you all the information at the end for contact information and things like that. There'll be links in the bottom of the show notes for the podcast. So um let me get all set up here, and then I'm going to answer this question from the streets, question that was sent in, and we'll start wrapping it up. All right, so this question comes from the uh, Instagram request of what questions you had for us. So it comes from Travis. He's asking about leading people with more time on the job than you, getting their respect and buy-in. Well, um, probably most of us have had that not necessarily maybe in the rank of captain or company officer, but you've kind of seen it and you think, well, how do those people deal with that? Well, uh, I had a similar situation when I got promoted. I had people that were, had way more time on the job than me that were in the firefighter rank. And I'm aware of it. I never necessarily said anything about it though, unless we were having like a private one-on-one conversation or we were trying to work through something. I never really, said much. Everybody kind of knows, right? They know how much time you have on before you even walk in that door. As soon as they see you get promoted, people are already looking like, well, how did that person get? Or look, I have more time on the job, but wherever that comes from, I'll just be what ifing everything if I kind of go down that path. But just know this, if you got promoted, you didn't just get pulled off the street or pulled out of the station and they go, here you go. Here's a badge. Now, maybe some departments I've heard, I can't point specific ones, that promotion is done by seniority and time on and, and things like that. And then maybe that exists and maybe they're trying to curtail this, I guess, but I'm not sure. But anyways, most of the time you go through a testing process, you put yourself out there with taking classes, you've had to get yourself ready. So last episode, I talked about allowing yourself to be new. Well, allow yourself the respect or the um, accomplishment of getting promoted and, and run with it. You, you did a lot of work to get where you want to be, or you're working towards that and you're soon to be, or maybe now you're on that trajectory. So whatever category you're in, they're probably going to come up against this, whether it's a station you're assigned to regularly, or you're working overtime that day and you're working around a bunch of senior people that you've got less time on, but now you're the company officer. Well, that's fine. Like I said, there's a reason. So allow yourself the accomplishment of getting promoted, run your program. You probably already put, if you're listening to something like this, you're into the job, I would think, because you sought something out, some kind of knowledge, whether it's this show, multiple other shows, multiple other people getting different opinions and, you know, you've done a lot of work. So 
own it, run your program, you're going to have bumps and bruises. You're going to mess things up. You're going to go, oh, that, that didn't go over so well. I like this a lot. And over time, you're going to get the respect and buy-in from them just by doing what you're doing. It doesn't happen overnight, obviously. You just come in, stick into your program, have that respect, and you can acknowledge that they have the time on the job and their position. And one thing that I try to do too is you come into a station that's you're probably new to, ask them how it works there. How do you do things here as a group? How are things? Target hazards, um, the way things operate. Like we're talking about the firehouse kitchen table. Maybe they do things a certain way and you kind of observe and, and get their opinion by asking somebody, Hey, what's your opinion on this? Or how do you do this? Or why do you guys like to do this type thing associated with that firehouse? Cause now you're part of that. You got to blend into their culture as well, as far as specific to that station. So previous episodes, I had talked about sitting back and just watching what goes on in that firehouse. Now you run your program and you still have to be the company officer, but give it, say that first month just to see how the station operates and the way things do, the way things kind of um, operate at that specific firehouse. And then I meet with people individually and talk to them, kind of find out about them personally, if they're willing to open up that early and talk about a few things that have to do. And that gets buy-in also, like you're showing interest in them. Then you go, okay, well, what's your plans? Do you want to promote? Do you want to stay where you're at? How much time do you have left? You, you ask all these questions. It isn't just respect and buy-in just on how you run an incident because that percentage is so small compared to how much we spend around each other in the firehouse, um, just doing operational stuff like medical calls and other things, not just fires. So it's a combination of everything. So spending the time to really get to know your people, taking the time to ask about them, they're gonna, they know you're in charge. Your uniform says it. Your title says it. They know you're in charge based on what you, where you sit on the rig and, and all that. To get that respect and buy-in, my opinion only, you need to do those things where you need to stick to your guns and, and run your program. And there's going to be times where it's, you have to be stern because they're going to test you. And they're maybe not doing it consciously, but subconsciously they may be doing things that they're used to, or maybe they were able to get away with, if you want to put it that way, get away with, with a previous company officer they had. Well, it's just constant adjustment and massaging of attitude and respect for one another, both ways, two-way street. Now, you want that respect and buy-in, which is what the question was, but I know what you're saying. Like, They need to give it to you as well because you are the company officer, but you need to earn that respect. You need to earn their respect as well, and they need to respect you as well. So it's a two-way street. I think you kind of get what I'm saying, but there's nothing you can do about it, especially if you promoted young. You're going to run into this almost instantly from when you get promoted to maybe everybody below you at your firehouse is younger, and then you go work in overtime somewhere or get detailed for some project or something, and you're working around people. It's okay. And we're always we're always trying to compare ourselves to other people or judge ourselves or think we're not doing everything right, but it's okay. Somebody thought you did well to promote you, however that may come about. So run with it, own it, maybe throw a few of those things that we just talked about right now as an option. And not only 
his previous episode was giving yourself time to be new. Give yourself the respect yourself that you accomplished a big goal and then run with it. That's what the department needs. That's what you need. Take the time to, okay, yes, I got here, but also remember it's just the beginning. You have a ton to learn. The uncomfortableness of being in that front seat or whatever position you're in is going to take a while to get used to. You're going to mess up. And when you mess up, you own it. You get quicker respect, I think, by saying, oh, I messed that up. Now, if you're completely unsafe and you're a hot mess, then your respect and buy-in angle trajectory of trying to get the respect might be tougher. So keep learning, keep asking questions, running over sims in your head constantly, doing all the things that we've talked about or that you, you know needs to be done, and then just give it time. When you mess up, you own it. When they mess up, you have to call them on it. Obviously, you don't do that in front of others unless it's necessary, like immediate life-saving issue. But it's that constant respect back and forth. I don't know how many times I've talked to people in the office individually on a personal level, not like, hey, come in the office because you're in trouble, and just kind of get their feedback, and you build and massage those relationships back and forth. That builds in huge. And then you'd think that doesn't get talked about. You think that you know it does. It filters out to the outlying stations about how you run your program. And then it just keeps going from there. So once again, it's another thing that takes time. So I think I beat this up enough, but I appreciate you staying this long and listening. Um, as I said earlier in the show, um, if you're not, if you're just, if you're new to this and you haven't logged on to or followed us on Instagram, it's the fire officer project. It's all just typed together like that. The fire officer project, follow us on Instagram. And then once this shows out for a little bit, I'll, uh, send out some um, story or a question on the stories and say, Hey, show me us, show us your table or something specific and unique to your firehouse. So that's there. Uh, all that stuff will be a link at the bottom and in, in the show notes email. If you want to get a hold of me is the fire officer project at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page as well under the same title. I don't do a ton with the Facebook page and I'm getting a lot of interaction from Instagram and email. So those are my two little things that, um, I kind of, that's my platform. I respond to you better, but I do see the Facebook thing. So if that works for you, there's a program there as well, or a page on there you can like, um, like I said earlier, I've, I've been talking to people physically, like on FaceTime and things like that. We've just been talking about things and, uh, it's been, it's been fun. It's just kind of a back and forth type thing. It's no stress, no pressure. We find a time that works for both of us and sit down, have a face, uh, FaceTime conversation and just do fire department stuff. So yeah, nerding out, but I like it. It's awesome to build relationships with people and this platform is amazing. And I couldn't imagine if I had this years ago, how much farther, right? Well, I mean, this this was around years ago, but I'm saying, can you imagine doing this when you're just on the new on the job and those connections? It's, it's pretty cool. So. so hit me up on Instagram or there's a website as well, thefireofficerproject.com. And that has a calendar link on there. If you want to be, you just look on the calendar show the times I'm available. You click on that. It sends me a notification. If you want to go through that whole thing, just send me a message on Instagram. We'll figure out a way to connect. So uh, all those links and stuff are in my bio on Instagram. Thank you for your time. This has been the Fire Officer Project. Keep moving forward. <laughs>